Well, I got to go to work. We just come out of the Revelations, um, the letter to the seven churches. There's a chapter that follows chapter 3, and it's called chapter 4. So if you've got your Bible, I studied hard for that. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Revelations chapter 4. I'm going to begin at verse 1. We're going to read through verse 8. I've got several scripture for you this morning, but what I need you to do this morning more than I need you to do anything else. Turn off your emotion. Suppress your feeling. The Bible says, For him that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelations 4. I came in this morning, I grabbed the podium, and I looked down and I seen a post-it note where I set my water, so apparently it was purposed, making sure I seen it. It's got some writing on it, y'all might see it as like scribble or scratch. This is from a young boy that was at the church yesterday helping his grandmother clean. He decided it was more important to do this than to clean, and oh, he doesn't know. But on there it says, Pastor Rocky, I love you. He didn't leave out Pastor Debbie either. I thought that he just loved her more than he loved me because I seen a sticker on her door that said, Pastor Debbie, love you. And I was like, and then I come in here and I seen it. See, God knows you. He knows you. Lord have mercy. He knows you. Y'all ready? All right, let's go. Revelations chapter 4, verse 1 through 8. After these things, and we're still John the Revelator, okay? And uh, Tommy, I don't know if this might end up being the, uh, what do they call that at the end of the fireworks? The what? The grand finale. This might be the grand finale. This might be to the letter to the number eight church. I don't know. Let's just, let's fill it out and see how it goes. After these things, I looked. This is after John the Revelator has been told what to write down in the, in the scrolls to present to the church. So that they could all see who was doing what. (laughs) He said, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Gosh, man, I want to see that. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. That's today's title. Today's title is come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. 
Let me get your attention on this. Now listen. And one sat on the throne. And he who sat there, picture this, put this in your mind. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. There was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeding lightning and thundering and voices, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. And the third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures having... Six wings were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. For a moment, while reading, I have to ask, did life escape you for a moment? If you've if you done what I ask you to do, if, if you begin to focus on the Scripture and, and begin to see this description etched in your mind and in your heart, did life just kind of go away? You were, you were caught up in the awe of who John just... Saul, man, I read that verse and I was like, wow. That would have been grand. There could have been nothing else in this world that I ever could have done or experienced that ever could have matched such a moment. The exhibition of power and authority and, and beauty setting, and all of my troubles in this life, in this present time with me, went away. I sat in such peace reading this. To know that there is such a one, as Revelations would call him, one on the throne. That if there was a possibility for me to be able to get to that point, I too could see, experience, and know God as Paul, as, as John. If just for a moment. I 
I have feared over time that the church has sought different avenues of obtaining God's presence and His peace. Oh, we, we go to church. That serenity for some makes us feel good because you live like a demon all week. You went to church, now you feel better. Right? Nothing's happening here. I'm not, I'm not hanging around the ones that I do when I'm not in church. So, therefore, I'm not doing the things that I do when I'm not in church. I'm, I'm sitting here. I, I feel better about me. I'm fulfilling what I consider an obligation of the faith. I wonder how many of you this morning would would want to find yourself leaving this world and being brought up into this place that John was brought up into knowing that you could have had a greater experience in God than you did while living here. Is that anybody's desire? Is, is that anybody's want that you would ever want to leave here and get there and know that you could have had more while you're here? I don't, see, I don't think that in, in the mind of any Christian, any, any believer, any human would ever want to figure that they would die and in hopes of finding that they could have had better, if only. Remember, after Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, he began to speak to his disciples and he began to pray. Y'all remember the prayer? Long prayer. He prayed, he prayed for himself first, which, <laughs> oh man, if we would take and take a good look at some of these examples that Jesus puts before us on a silver platter. He prayed for himself first. Clear my mind. Make me right. Get myself together. Don't allow me to pray for other people till I pray for me first. And God, pray. I'm praying that you fix me. Jesus, in fact, actually prayed, God, glorify me. I don't think you can get any pure. He first prayed for himself. Then he prayed for the disciples. Then he prayed for the believers. I told y'all. I, I tried telling you. There's a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. I told y'all. Y'all ain't believe me. Right there it is. Right in the scripture. He prayed for his disciples first. And he prayed for the believers second. Third. If you want to count him first. And here's Jesus sending up this prayer. And in this prayer you'll find John 17, 1 through 3. It said Jesus spoke these words. He 
lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority, talking, speaking of himself in third party, given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life. He came that we might have life, might have it more abundantly. He came and he died that we could live forever in his presence. To as many as you have given him. Look, and this is eternal life. This, that they... This is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, I believe that according to Scripture that Jesus was sent to the earth. He came to this earth. God made flesh and tabernacled among us. He came here. To what? Oh, he reconciled man unto God. That was, his, that was his objective. That was the only way out for you and I. Hung up in all of our gross, sick sin. That was our way out. Was Jesus being manifest in this earth? So I believe there was a point in time that Jesus, that God, would have to come down to his people. I'm going, so don't let me lose you. But I, I believe that Jesus, there was a point, the matter of fact, the Bible said when, when the time had fully come. So there was a moment that God sent his son to this earth for you and I. So he come out of all of his splendor because he knew there was no way without him that we would ever be able to approach the throne of God, even through the blood of lamb and goats and bulls. He knew all of that was temporary, and he wanted to give us eternal life. What's eternal life? He told us what eternal life is. That they may know you. Paul put, oh, that I may know him. <laughs> Paul was just a little different because Paul wanted to know him not only in his power, but in his pain. We just, 
God, we don't want that part. If you don't mind, can I just experience the power? I don't, the pain. I, but you wanted him to experience what you deserved. And he took. So I'm not trying to convince you this morning that God never came down to our level. He knew what it was going to take and he said, I've got to come out of heaven. No man can bring this but one. So he came to fulfill a duty which, by the way, if you don't know, he did. He was crucified. He bled and died. He was hung on the cross. He was buried three days away. And then he rose again. And he walked among 500 plus, the Bible talks about, the witnesses. And then he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father to take on intercession for me and you. And he is going to come again to receive us unto himself just like his word said i promise you his word has been his word has been faithful and and true over thousands of years you can't beat it it's the best selling book in amazon it's the best selling book on the new york stock exchange it's the best selling book all around you can't beat this book it's going to stand the test of time it will not he said flowers will fade and grass will wither. But my word! I'm trying to get you somewhere this morning. I want you to understand this thing is infallible. It's unadulterated. It's power. It's power. <laughs> The Bible calls the gospel the power unto salvation. That, it, oh, I got to stick close. And he said, and this is eternal life. This, this what I'm getting ready to tell you, comma, this is eternal life. That they may know you. He already knows you. He's, he knows the number, not of how many hairs on your head. He knows what number is still remaining after you took a shower this morning. I've, I've tried, they don't listen to me. I'm trying to tell them this is one bad dude. Paul tells us in 1 Peter that we should desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. The most prominent modern critical of the Greek New Testament adds this phrase, up to salvation. Desire the purest form of milk that we may grow thereby up to salvation. I've seen somebody twitch. They said, oh, he's taking us to works. Hang on. 
he reminds the church in Philippi in Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed me, not as in my presence only, so you ain't just fronting, but now much more in my absence. Work out. Oh, you know this part. Y'all can quote it. You ain't got to look. Work out your own salvation. Oh, I'm getting ready to smack on religion this morning. Hard boy. I brought a cat of 12 tails. I'm going to beat religion till it bleeds. Because I'm so sick of religion, I can't stand it. The smell of bull blood and guts burning on the altar when you walk past me disgusts me. I'm looking for a cologne that not only can disguise, but to do away and cause it to dissipate in thin air. And I smell it no more on you. See, we're going to come up here. We're going to have to. We got to come up here. God's calling, come up here. Oh, let me take let me take you some places. Can I take you some places? Not in my nose. It's free. Let me take you some places because I want you to understand something. That when God sets a standard, nobody is nobody has the authority to come and to manipulate or disguise or dispute that standard. His standard is his standard and his alone. You either do as he has asked or commanded or you don't do it at all because if you do anything outside of that, it's a futile attempt to draw yourself unto the presence of God where he says that no man can come and glorify. There's no flesh that will glorify in his presence. You can't enter into the presence of God just any old way you want to. You don't get to make the rules. You don't get to set the Sundays and the time that you're going to enter into God's presence he does that not you you have to obey that we have far far be left we, we've left we've gone we've just forgotten we don't do it anymore we do it our way any old way is the best way we'll do anything in church anymore we'll, we'll, we don't care we don't care if the gospel's being proclaimed. Buddy, if we got a text message, we're going to check it out, baby. If we get a ding from Facebook, we're going to check it out, baby. Forget about the word, the one that's going to change your life. God set a standard. He calls Moses to the mountain. <laughs> Come up here, Moses. Don't let, oh, don't let the people, why? Don't let the people come up here. Don't let them touch the mountain. See, God's chosen even in the Old Testament times. When he called those, he covered those. Come on up here, Moses. <laughs> See, Moses is the only man, in fact, in the Bible that he said that God spoke to face to face. He killed his brother-in-law because his brother-in-law run his nasty mouth. Oh, come on, church. It's going to get hot today. 
See, you open up your mouth and think it's okay. You can do anything you want to do, and you think it's going to bow you. Listen, you're going to fool me. You're going to get around the corner. You're going to be fine with me. We'll still even cut state together. It's all good, but can I tell you, there's going to come a day when God calls you to the throne, and he holds you accountable. Then what? Don't you let them people touch my mountain. They touch it, they die. He calls Moses up. Moses standing on the rock at Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the same mountain that he got his Ten Commandments from. See, there's a thing happens when, oh my God, when he calls us up, when he calls us away from where we are, when he calls us out of our circumstances, when he calls us out of our sin, there is something that happens. He brings us unto himself, just like Paul or just like John. John's there and God told him things that was going to happen. He called us. Moses and he said Moses write these things down baby and he give him some guidance he give him direction and you're not going to get that in your little pity party do you come on stop it pastor worked out own salvation with fear that's the problem now in the church you go and grab this little piece of scripture and you use it for your abilities you use it so that it makes you look good. <laughs> because you can't judge me. I got news for you. Actually, the Bible says that I can judge you because you're in the church. See, it was talking about judging the world. We can't judge the world, but we judge the church. By how? By plucking the fruits. <laughs> Oh, if the fruits ain't there, baby, I'm going to tell you. I don't care if it makes you mad, makes you smile, makes you dead. don't matter to me, baby. You've got to work this thing out with God and God alone through fear and trembling. You better stop playing. You're dancing with the devil. Church, I'm talking to you. Call it what you want. I'm talking because, listen, let me tell you something. We're all guilty. We're all guilty on calling on the name of the Lord while we still yet set in our despair, while we still yet set in our feelings and our emotions, and, and we're calling down the fire from heaven and God consumed. Let me give you an idea, brother. Just because it's fire don't mean it's from God because there's some crazy fire that can happen. Oh, you don't believe me on that either. There's scripture. The Bible said they'll even do signs and wonders. Church, you better get on your A game, baby. It's, it's, almost, it's almost game time. It's almost kickoff, baby. You have been practicing and practicing for years and years and years. It's about time to suit up and get on the field and let's get on with this thing. Moses standing on the rock at Mount Horeb and strikes the rock and gets water. Anybody thirst drink from this? Well, we'll never thirst again. Oh, where was that at? On the mountain of God. Oh, my. Our instructions... Our commandments, our water, 
all from the mountain of God. What do you have to do to go from here at the bottom up there at the top? You've got to come up here. You're wasting your time, baby. You've been sitting at the foot of the hill. You've been letting your pastor wail and cry and stretch out between the porch and the altar that he might cover you with the grace such as Moses did for the people. And he would always stand in the way. And God, please, hold on, hold on. And Abraham, Abraham done the same thing, chosen by God, put before his congregation. And he's going, God, don't kill him. Don't kill him. If we can find, he negotiated with God. If we can find 30, if we can find 20, if we can find five, if we can find only one, will you not kill him? And God said, sure, find me one. You can't do it your way. Your way ain't going to make it no more, baby. Come on, if you're married, you understand exactly what I'm talking about, husbands. It's either her way or ain't no way. It's her way or the highway. (laughs) Oh, but wait a minute. That was just one person. I'm sorry, I don't want to leave you there. Let's talk about Elijah. Oh, (laughs) Elijah takes off running because he hears the word of a woman. And the Bible said when he saw, they wrote it, he saw it. That's a bad word. He said when he saw it, he fled. He left. The Bible said that he just ran. He just ran away. And he ended up finding this little lonesome broom tree. If you do any research on broom trees, you won't find that they grow individually. They grow in groves. <laughs> oh, man, they was used for shelter from sandstorms. They was used for shade from the heat. Man, it's almost sound like Jesus Christ, ain't it? <laughs> huh? But he, he finds himself, he's laying under a broom tree, and he said, God, I've had enough. Kill me. I wonder how many of you had enough. Oh, man, you've been running. And you lay there and you say, God, kill me. Oh. Oh. It's been a private prayer before. God, just take me out. Then I don't have to sit up all night wondering if you will do the right thing or the wrong thing. See, I can get some sleep now. And Elijah runs, and the angel comes. And remember that? I, I think I preached this. Uh, I don't know if it was a, a part of a series or just a standalone, but the angel came and slapped him. That's what it, it literally meant, smack him. He didn't just go, Elijah. He's, we hard hit. She know she was the angel. 
She was the angel. And then the angel smacked him upside the head and said, Awake! Man, you can't. He said, You can't do this journey. On, and I'm all paraphrasing. Read your Bible. You can figure it out. After Luke, or uh, 1 Kings 18, it's probably in 19, 19 and 20. But he smacks him upside the head. You, you can't do this on your own. You must eat. And he looked, and it was already prepared. All he had to do was roll over, like some of us complacent people do. We, we love being spoon-fed, baby. If we can get spoon that means I don't have to do no work. I don't have to look in the Word Monday through Saturday, because I'll come, and the pastor will spoon-feed me. You better be careful. pastor might one day just try to trick you and give you some castor oil. And he went back to sleep. And the Bible said he came back, get up. You can't do this on your own. You got to eat. See, you got fed twice. Oh, oh, oh. I love my God. Because, see, he, he will feed me so that I can regain my nourishment and my energy and my strength from the past troubles and trials that I've already made it through. And he says, I already know what's coming, Rocky. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you this food for now because it's going to take you from here to there. And it's going to be okay, but you got to take eat. And the Bible says that Elijah got up and he began on his journey. Where did Elijah go? To a cave in a mountain. Uh-oh. He had to go back up again. And see, it was there God showed him things that you're desiring to see, but you're not willing to move. See, he went up there and he come out because we all want to see God move in the church. God, bring your power and drop people out, save people, heal people, raise people from the dead, and yet we still sleep and slumber in our seat. And Elijah coming out picturing the church because he hears this loud Wind coming by, and he, man, he thinks that's God. And he's checking it out, and the Bible said God wasn't in the wind. And then the thunder and the light, and God wasn't in it. And then a great earthquake, and God wasn't in it. See, we're always looking for God in the grandiose of things. Can I tell you before you see the grandeur? Oh, he said, before I give you a lot, I'm going to give you a little. Because if you're faith, come on, come on, help me, help me. Bibles, if you're faithful with a little. And then there was that small, still voice that spoke into a I ain't got to my text yet, and I'm sweating. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Be careful where God leans into your ear on a Sunday morning at 11.05 and said, 
He already knows the answer. Are you hearing me, church? Because there's many times that you'll come and sit here. You got a different motive. It ain't to experience God. It's to stir strife. Division. Oh, I'm coming, baby. So if your feet's getting warm, this word's all over you. And we'll spit discourse. And we'll divide the body of Christ. And we'll go home pounding our chest because we went to church. Oh, the pastor seen me at church. Check it on the calendar. Oh, the pastor see me do. Check it on the count. I got news for you. There's things about you that I know that only God told me. And if I was to tell you, it'd blow some of you completely out of the church. You'd run so hard looking for the mountain of God, couldn't nobody stop you. A track and trailer hit you, you'd still spring up, take off. There's things that you don't understand. You don't understand. God says you got to come up here. You've got to stop, church. This is not your way or the highway. And as the angel appointed over this house, I'll cut your head off. This is not your house. This is the Lord's house. And all that dwells in it. I ain't lost you. I'm still on the tech. You just got a little shook up because you thought I was talking to you. Might have been. But we, we grab that scripture. We go work out our own salvation with fear and tremble. See, we think it's by him stating that work out your own salvation, he, we think that it's work out your own salvation because it's your salvation. You think it's, you think it's something you created. So you think it's something that you get to write the guidelines to. I got news for you, baby. The Bible says no one coming to the Father but by me. <laughs> that was Jesus talking right there. And when he spoke, like E.F. Hutton, everybody listened. You better. But we take this and we use it to our advantage. It is our artillery when we get into a conversation, when someone approaches our misbehavior. I'm being polite. Your sin. I said that on line. Uh oh. Listen, anything that you're doing that he's told you not to do is a sin. They ain't going to like me. Maybe we can go get an iced tea. I'll get you some ribs because it looks like you're in. <laughs> Church, we better start fully recognizing. This ain't about you. This is a, man, if you could ever get if you could ever get a picture painted that would show you the broadness, the full spectrum of what God sees. 
What? Give me a give me a pen. Yeah, that one. Y'all see that dot? It's on there. Y'all see it? Oh, Holy Spirit. You better stop. Let me do it like this. Great day. Boy, the Holy Spirit. Now, listen. I don't, pra- I don't get to practice this stuff. I'm going to do it again. David, can you see it, Dot? Keep looking. Looking for an ink dot. Just tell me when you see it. Just tell me when you see it. Just the ink dot. Got it? He found it. Holy Spirit, help me. You know where it's at. Can you see it? I walked it all the way back. Listen. When we have the full spectrum of what God's seeing and what God's trying to reveal to us as a body of believers and disciples. There's two of you. (laughs) Which one are you going to be? Anyway, he he paints this grand picture. And out of this picture, it's everybody's face in the universe. And up here, it looks as though it's the universe. Man, it is awesome awesome and you're a part of that here's the problem the closer you bring the picture to yourself the less of the world you see holy spirit painted that picture baby bam he hit that thing he popped that one i'm writing that one down So when you see yourself in all the problem, back up a little bit. You might find it's a big picture. Dear God in heaven, I wonder how many of you are looking right here. Unable to see the forest for the trees. It's all about me. It's the me ministry. We're going to rename the church the me ministry. Not really. <laughs> see, that? oh, that's what we're going to do. It's going to be the me ministry. It's going to be real big, big, big letters. big. You can see them riding down 81. Look, it's the me ministry. We're going there next week. And then you get there and you get out of the car. The closer you get to church, you see it in small letters up underneath it. Not really. <laughs> Woo! I love being free in the spirit. He knows how hard this is for me. Paul's not telling them that our salvation is dependent upon our works. That's not what he's saying here. 
what he is telling them is there is, he's expressing here that our salvation should express itself in progressive Christian living and upright character. There should be a time when she walked by and kicked you in the leg because you left something laying on the floor that you ignored and keep on going. There should be a time. That's how you grow. There's going to be a time where she ain't even going to kick you because you already done it. Come on. See, marriage counseling and everything. All it, all it. There's got to come a time in your Christian life that there are certain things that you should be able to turn off Turn off without being angry. Just understanding that there's a bigger picture. See, I was told by a pastor one time that cleaning the fish wasn't my problem. He said, it's not your job. Your job's to catch them. Well, I was sitting and I was pondering that yesterday. Told y'all I was angry, right? I am. But I, I was pondering that yesterday. God, I can't fix he said, not, not your job to fix. He said, your job's to clean. I said, but God, they, this is a process, baby. He said, exactly. And you right in the middle of it. See, we going to catch them with the Spirit. <laughs> you going to give them the Word. The Holy Spirit going to clean them up. If they want it. I can't make you stop being evil. And guess what? You can't make somebody stop being evil. So I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to help you this morning. I'm trying to help you this morning. If you will stop focusing on the one that is giving evil alternative actions, not godly love. If you will stop focusing on the person. But we battle's not flesh and blood. But you guys, okay. We got, because I get mad, I want to throat punch something. We guys, we still focusing on people. God said, come up here. Too many times we pull this scripture and we quote it to enhance our own belief of what we're doing. You try to make yourself believe that what you're doing is okay. <laughs> what you're doing is evil. All you're doing is building a witch's playground. Pastor, that's powerful work. Absolutely, what's manipulation? It's called what? Witchcraft, right? Manipulator. Oh, see, I'm going to put this out. If the Holy Spirit guides me and says you're manipulating, I'm calling you out. Right where you stand. And then you, you will have to take this.
and put it against yourself and check it. Don't. We use this scripture to combat one another as to say, don't judge me. Work out your own salvation. The problem is the one that's calling you to correction and trying to pull you out of sin is doing it out of the love of God that's in them, and you're rejecting him. You're not rejecting him. You're rejecting him. The Bible says they ain't turning their back on you. They're not rejecting you. So that ought to tell you, if, this, if that's a scripture that runs out your mouth so fast, I want you to go home and drink castor oil today. Like a, like a pint of it. Church, come up here. You walked in your way so long you think it's okay because nobody will call you out. Well, guess what? Here's your wake-up call, baby. God sent you an alarm clock today. It's called Pastor Rocky. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm throwing that out too. Doesn't matter. We're we going to do it God's way. Or we ain't going to do it. Does that mean you're going to not fail? No. No. It means I'm going to stumble. It means I'm going to kick that bed post and go, that, that thing that you done, that crazy stuff I'm going to kick a bad post every once in a while too but it's what you do when you do it David to me was the worst in the Bible the, the worst I mean that dude come on you know that dude just wasn't walking by his palace and happened to glance over and see that hot chick and go He's seen it that day. He come back next to him. One o'clock. He come back. He eating his lunch. Oh, it's one o'clock. I got to go. Huh? Come on, men. Get with it. Come on. You walk by your wife. You look. You go, whew. Well, I'm glad I'm married. And then you come back. You go, <laughs> Next thing you know, you're knocking on doors and stuff. <laughs> you busy. <laughs> You're going to fall. But get up. We're to be working out our salvation with fear and trembling against the word of God. Not your emotions and not your feelings. I'm sorry you got offended. Get over it. Galatians 2.20 says, the life that I now live ain't my life. It's not mine. The life I live is him that lives in me. Because he sent his son to die for me. This ain't my life. Man, I, yeah, man, you know, do you? Don, listen. 
This is just between me and you, nobody else. It's kind of like a secret. Do you know how many times that I want to do something other than go preach? But the life I live, it's not mine to live. Oh, I beseech you, therefore, brother, full of word this morning. I beseech you, therefore, brother, to present yourselves holy. It's a living sacrifice. That's your good. <laughs> Boy, that's the only thing you can do is lay your life down for Christ. Total surrender. You want God to show up in your life and just flat smoke your mind? Surrender. Just give it to him. I mean, it, every bit of it. Even if you got to do it behind your wife's back and you walk around in the backyard and you say, God, if this is ever going to be able to interfere with my relationship with you, take it from me. Amen. And then find yourself, matter of months, get gone and you're gone. greatest peace of my life that was the greatest peace we gotta let you go <laughs> I said listen as of right now I ain't got a job now it, relax for the next three days for the next three days I'm fasting it's water word and God don't interrupt me Immediately, I went home. And I don't like water. Immediately, I went home and popped the top and was praying on the water. See, a bunch of alcoholics. I say pop a top. Y'all think, huh? Come up here. <laughs> if we're not aligning ourselves up with the word, or what the word says and how the Holy Spirit guides us, then my friend, we are in error. How you walking? How you lining your life up? Based on the worries of this world? Based on the complaints of others? You see a problem? Don't complain about it. Fix it. Don't come to me with an empty complaint because I will humiliate you. Like I don't have anything else to do except take care of your complaints because the wall color is different. Come up here. Many times we get so caught up because this is what it is. This is what's happening. See, when you think that you can call upon the Lord and have him come down into your issue, you're being deceived. You're being deceived. Pastor, how can you tell me? Everything that I'm telling you, the ones that got closer to God had to go up. We get caught up in our own deceptions 
we begin believing that not only does, oh, and I've heard this from some of you. Now, God understands. God does not understand your behavior. God sent His only Son to die that your behavior could be done away with. The Bible says no longer are you held captive to sin, but you're free because you hear the truth. The truth will set you free. And those who have been set free is free indeed. You don't have to sit and tell me God understands. No, He doesn't. Your behavior is wicked and sinful. He does not understand your behavior. Not when he said, let my son die for you. Let my son that know no sin become sin. No, he don't understand, so don't ever tell me that again. We begin to believe he approves of it. We begin... Because we say it so much, God under God knows my heart. God, listen to me. You know when you're wrong. If you're in His presence, you keep turning your back from Him. He said, "There come a time I'm gonna turn you over to your sin. You can go ahead and live your wretched life for the rest of the time you got. You're done. Bye." We better be careful. We think we plan with God. We think we can manipulate God. Because we, we'll, we'll pull scripture out on God every once in a while. Try to manipulate him to do stuff that we want. And the whole time we ain't asked him not in there one time. God, whatever your will is. The Bible says pray it this way. <laughs> that thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not us. Not Christian. We're going to pray it like this. God, I'm going to take this job tomorrow and I'm going to ask that you bless it. Spent two minutes in prayer telling God what to do. And then take the job and find out grass ain't green and there's a lot of manure under it. As much as we would like to think that everyone else is the problem, our first look should be within ourselves. Oh, I'm, let me tell you something. I, I'm not reading not one thing out of here or saying one thing that I'm regretting in my mind right now. I know right now I'm 100% in the vein of God. Deceit is evil and it's wicked. Psalms 52.2 says, this is out of the ESV. I think Tommy's got new King Albert because your tongue devices destruction like a sharp razor. Working deceitfully. The ESV puts it this way. Your tongue plots destruction. Like a sharp razor. You, worker of deceit. That's the ESV. A little closer to the translation. Flat out calls you a worker of deceit. Boy, loose lips sink ships. Anybody heard it? If you can't tame your tongue, I'm going to lock it up, put it in jail. 
people getting locked up for <laughs> way less things. Can't even sing before our Father in heaven now. On a public street that we're paying for. When we as Christians put on fronts to gain favor in the eyes of some, we open doors for the enemy to camp out in our lives. You want to know why your life is so jacked up? You want to know why you feel lonely? You want to know why you got sickness? You want to know why you're going through problems and issues and you, everything in your world is just a, you want to know why? Good morning, one church. To manipulate others to believe we are something we aren't, we not only open doors for the enemy, but we devalue the cost of our salvation. And Christ give us everything to gain nothing. And we give nothing and try to gain everything. You workers of deceit. Now let's move to our text. John's told here to come up here. I wanted y'all to get to understand something. That you can, you can work out your life however you want to work it out. Okay? But you have no room to blame God when you stay in your stuff. Okay? And you can't blame others for others being successful in their faith and their walk and everything else because they choose to do differently than what you're doing, okay? You ought to take that as an advantage point. And see, I was told a long time ago, Rocky, if you want your marriage to be good, find somebody that's got a good marriage and model after them. What you got to be careful of, marriages in public aren't always what they seem behind doors. You workers of deceit. Are you with me? Are you? He told John, he said, come up here. He, what, what he's telling John is, John, if you want to get what I have for you, you're going to have to come away from where you are. Church, if you're wanting revival, if you're wanting the glory of God, you're going to have to come away from where you are. What you practice now is not going to obtain because if it was, you would already be experiencing. Church, you're going to have to come away from where you are. You're going to have to separate yourself from among them. You're going to have to come up here. And he said, if you'll come up here, As believers, we all should desire to move into the higher things of God. I've got strong shoulders. I've got wide shoulders. I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a pretty tough dude. I'm not your little pansy. But, I, but I'll put it to you like this. Carrying everybody sometimes gets tiring. Okay, you don't understand. You'll probably understand Scripture. Paul says, by now, you all should be teachers. But yet you're still having to be fed milk. 
The only way this will happen is if we come out away from where we live and move into the presence of God. Where are you living? Where are you living? What's your attitude like? What's your heart like? I ain't asked about where you live in your house. I don't care. I want to know where do you live spiritually? What's got you under wraps and you tolerate it? When are you going to let go? When are you going to stop? When are you going to finally say, enough is enough? I used to hear, I'm sick and tired. See, I'm, not, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. See, it's time to change something. Being sick and tired, everybody says it. Man, I'm sick and tired. Well, what are you doing? I'm just sick and tired. You hear somebody say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired? There's a change, an evident change. You see them doing something different. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being fat. I'm going to go to the gym, and you see them in the gym. But the ones that were just sick and tired, they eating triple whoppers. Super duper size. We're all guilty of sitting in our pity all the while calling on God to come down and rescue us. And there are times that God is requiring us to come up out of our sorrow and get into his presence. See, he says that he, the, he abides. I like using that word. He abides in the praises of his people. I like using the abide version because that means he's there. That's where he lives. He lives in your praises, not your pities. Boy, that stung somebody. I just, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm, I'm just done. I, God, if you want to fix it, you're just going to have to fix Oh, there it is. God, you're just going to have to fix them because I, I can't fix them. You're just going to have to fix them. I'm going to turn my back on it. You just, you do whatever it is. You, you, you just fix them. Well, God didn't tell me I was wrong. Because you was in your pity, not in your praises. You were hung up where you live. You missed the thing when he said, come up here. (laughs) Man, if you come up. Tommy, Revelation 4. Put my glass on so I read it right. Right after he says, come up here, he says, I will show you things which must take place after this. See, if you'll come up here, I'll help you. My son come to give a way for you to know me. If you'll just come up here, he ain't coming by, what? His feet ain't even going to touch earth in the second coming. Read the scripture. It says we meet him in the air. He ain't come. It's a rotten world. His feet can't touch this stuff. That's God. How do they say it? It's God. 
right? But man, if we, if we can decide in ourselves somewhere along the way and come up here, things in our life might turn around. Things, things in other people's lives that are weaker faith would turn around because they would see the strength in you. The Bible says, woe unto him that would cause one of my littles to follow, to fall. He's better off tying a block around his neck and jumping off in the water and drowning him. He ain't, he ain't talking about the babies. He's talking about the babes in Christ. He's talking about the newcomers, the ones that give their heart to Christ last Sunday, man. They're jacked up and excited. And they meet your old nasty face standing at the front door, and you don't even want to shake their hand, much less open the door. And they're going, if this is God... Come up here. You can't, you can't live down here and expect to experience the glory of God. John didn't see the glorious splendor of God at first. He saw Jesus. Jesus is the one that talked to him. Jesus is the one here. Before we go see daddy, I got to get some stuff straight. You need to take care of the churches right here. You sit down, get your pen. And then God said, come up here. If we are to gain insight of what is, And we will have to move from where we are in our flesh and get into our spirit. This is why I encourage you. I, I encourage you to pray in the spirit every day. Pray in the spirit. See, so you're not having to get your flesh involved. You know, they've done tests on people that would be praying in tongues and they would see activity differently in their mind than praying in English or their language. Fascinating. Y'all think God's stupid. <laughs> well, he got this thing down. He knows you. But their mind on this chart just settled right on down. But if they were praying in their own language, man, it, brain waves were everywhere. Oh, there ain't, oh, who knows the spirit of a man better than the spirit? Huh? It, we, man, it, here it comes. Here it comes again. It's coming. It, a door was open in heaven. Praise God. Praise God. I awoke that from the Spirit of God awoke that phone, boy. <laughs> Don't worry. Let, let him preach. Let, let him preach. <laughs> Man, when the doors of heaven are open, who wants to stop at? You know something good's coming. Something good's behind it. Man, when the doors of heaven are open.